And uh, Steve Barkley is out again this week. Who's Steve? I wonder if we'll ever see him again. <laughs> I don't know. He's, he's a man about town. This is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Heidi ho uh, My name is Rob Minot. And uh, joining me today, the lovely Mr. Ryan Flurry. I'm lovely today. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. You know, my week is almost over and then I'm on vacation again, so. Um, what are you doing for your vacation? Uh, it's a staycation, so just going to putt around town and maybe work on some more music. Well, won't that be fun? I love staycations. It can be fun. I'm a homebody, so. You don't have to line up for security. You don't have to get frisked by the. That's right. Secure airport security. I did talk to my wife last night. She's actually going to take me out to one of the record stores out in Surrey so I can pick up some more vinyl. They have record stores again? You betcha. Yeah, I mean, they, I suppose they all cost $40. I bet you, you, <laughs> you just missed the no. days when you can go pick up a $2 record. Yeah, I don't think they're $2 anymore. It's been a while nope. since I've been out there. but. Uh, well, that'll be fun. Yeah, it's nice to get out and do that. I know she hates to do it and... It is what it is. You know, I don't really have a lot of people who can, you know, jump in their car and during the day and drive me out to a record store. I could take a cab out there and ask one of the sales guys to show me around. Hi, can you find me like this record out of the 22,000 you have in your store? <laughs> well, what are we doing today, sir? Today we are talking with Jessica Hip from Way Around. Uh, Way Around. Okay, well, maybe for the folks, uh, can you explain what Way Around is? Way Around is a set of stickers, magnets, buttons, and clips that you can use to label things around your house. So there's an app for your iOS or Android device, and it uses NFC chips that are built into these um, stickers, labels, buttons, and clips. And using the app, you can swipe over the NFC and program in or write in your description of the item or use your voice to dictate. So yeah, it's handy. They've got some that are waterproof and, and I wouldn't, I don't know what the right word is, not cold proof, but you can throw them in your freezer. Really? Yeah. Throw them in your freezer and wrap an elastic band around it and label your frozen fish or your pork chops or whatever you got in your deep freeze. You got sew on buttons so you can run them through the washing machine and the dryer. Yeah. So yeah, pretty cool. Very cool. And there, I mean, there have been, there are sort of uh, systems out there that are similar to this, but I don't think that there's anything that just works off a, a smartphone like this. I, I think they all, they all really require reasonably proprietary devices, right? Because you, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned me off mic, the pen friend, right? That's yeah, one. the pen friend has some proprietary stickers, labels that you can put on stuff. And then. But you, it requires a reader. Like you actually need. You need a, the pen friend. Pen friend device. Right, yeah. 
Yeah. So this is this is this is kind of unique because all it requires is a smartphone and the app that's running on the smartphone. So. Yeah, and most most of us have our our smartphones with us, you know, all the time. So you're not having to try and find demo tape for your braille labeler or your Slate and stylus. You know, you just tap your phone to the NFC chip, and you're off and running. Well, and this has applications even just far beyond. I think just like sort of labeling stuff around the house. But uh, you know, we'll we'll talk to Jessica about that in a few minutes. I think. Uh, but first, you want to do some news? Let's do some news. Okay, so I was excited to see this. Uh, a new law requires pharmacies to provide prescription readers to blind patients. Uh, now, this law is in Oregon, uh, and apparently it's mirroring a law, a similar law in Nevada. But this is very good news. And this, I think, ties into the conversation that we had with uh, the people from Envision. Mm-hmm. Envision America. Yeah, yeah, who makes the uh, script talk, uh, which is a, a uh, how, how, how would you describe script talk, Ryan? It's kind of a two-piece system. So the pharmacy gets the script talk, I guess, machine, and they can program in um, onto, a, onto an, a label for your medicine bottle the prescription directions. So take twice daily, don't take with milk you know, all that sort of information. And then you have a reader at home as a consumer and you, you pop your pill bottle onto the reader and it reads the instructions to you. Right, exactly. And uh, the significance of this law, of course, is that in Oregon now, it's going to require pharmacies to provide visually impaired patients with the device that's programmed to read prescription information out loud. Now, this, I don't know, in, in my opinion, this law is, should have been in place long ago. This is something that, that pharmacies all over the country, uh, both the U.S. and Canada, should just have as a service. I mean, it's ridiculous that, that they don't. This technology is in place. It's here, uh, but nobody's using it. I think part of that, too, is, you know, Envision America has been around for a while and like you say, the technology has been as well. But, you know, I'd be willing to bet if I walked into my Safeway pharmacy or Superstore pharmacy, they'd never heard of the product. Right? No, I'm sure they haven't. So yeah, how, how sure. do you get the word out to the pharmacy? Well, how do you get the word out to consumers who can then take it to their pharmacies and say, look, you know, this would be super for me to be live my life a little bit more independently. Can we look at maybe getting this in your pharmacy? Um, as a consumer, how do you find out about that information, right? Usually by word of mouth or podcasts or online. If you stumble well, across I, it. Yeah, and, and I don't I just I, I don't think that, that ever before like pharmacies really even considered it mm-hmm. their problem. Um, you know, I, I know that we've talked to we have a lot of, of blind clients and friends and stuff that that have that have talked about their methods for keeping their prescriptions straight. Um, everything from like putting a, a rubber band around the bottle or, you know, I don't know. I don't know. How, how do you do it, Ryan? I, I basically only take one prescription medication. So I've only got the one bottle. Oh, and, so you know, so and, and typically like, you know, I've got vitamins as well. So it's a bigger bottle, different shape. You know, um, I don't I don't know how I would do it. I'd probably have to put maybe one rubber band on one bottle, two rubber bands on the second. Yeah. 
you know, just to kind of be able to identify which is which. But something like the script talk would would make life so much easier. And if you don't have somebody cited around to help you to make sure that you're you know taking your medication safely, um, you know. You, you could be in, in dire, in a dire situation. Well, so sure. I mean, somebody, somebody, I mean, you think about somebody who has like four or five different prescriptions mm-hmm. and, and, you know, one they have to take twice a day and one they have to take once a day right. and, you know, one they're taking before bed and, you know, it, it can get really confusing really fast if you don't have, if you can't tell which medication is which. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's ridiculous that you'd have to like put one in one drawer and another in another drawer, put a rubber band or, I mean, this is just ridiculous. And this has been going on for years and years. So I think it's a, it's really, it's a really a positive move that a state like Oregon has put this, put this law in place, even though if we read the article further, uh, we see that a group of Oregon pharmacies actually lobbied against the bill citing the cost to drugstores, um, which is ridiculous because of course the, the Envision AI, I'm assuming it is the company that they, they reference in this, in this article, because I don't know of any other company that, that makes anything like, like this. Envision America, not Envision AI. Oh, sorry. Envision America. Yeah. Uh, you know, they came back and, and submitted testimony that it would cost pharmacies approximately $400 per year to lease the equipment needed to dispense the labels plus another $2 per label applied to the prescription. So, I mean, this is not a huge cost for the pharmacies at all. Well, and you know what I, I'm wondering is, you know, I don't know what it costs to run a pharmacy. Some are, you know, pretty small. Some are, are mammoth. But we hear time after time that the pharmaceutical companies are making billions of dollars a year. Billions of dollars. So why can't they offset some of that cost? Yeah, uh, there, there, there's absolutely no reason for it. And uh, and even if there is a slight cost to them, I mean, the benefit of having a system like this in place is far outweighs any sort of cost. Um, you know, even if they have to figure out a way to, to help mitigate that that cost by, I don't, you know, making it, charging a dollar per prescription um, extra. I, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is, but, you know, at, at some point, you know, somebody has to pay that pay that cost in order for um, this this to be in place. But it needs to be in place is is the you know the long and the short of it. So uh, you know, good for Oregon for for doing this. Shame on the the, <laughs> the Oregon pharmacies for lobbying against it. But no, they lost. So, so. well, they lost exactly, exactly. So uh, listen, I hope that this this. Uh, getting some traction and we see it in other states and hopefully we get it here because it's ridiculous here in Canada that we don't have anything like this in place either. Well, and I wonder, you know, like who, who would you go to to try and get something like this to become available in Canada other than, you know, me as a consumer going to my pharmacist, you know, is there um, like BC health or CNIB or who do you, who do you think you would go to to try and you know rally the troops and and get something like this as as a law in Canada where all pharmacists have to provide? Yeah, no, it's a good question. It, it is a very good question, and uh, maybe that's something we need to to, to dig up because I, I, I personally I think this this needs to get a lot of traction because this would make a huge difference in a lot of people's lives, and uh, it's not 
you know, it's, it's not cost prohibitive at all for the pharmacies or the consumer. I mean, we, we should have this just in homes. This should just be a thing. Well, and not even just, you know, the blindness community. How many times have we talked about, you know, people turning 65 or older every year, you know, is just growing and growing and growing. So let's get this happening. Yeah. Hey, Steve, why don't you tell the fine folks about Canadian Assistive Technology? Well, Canadian Assistive Technology is a Canadian-based distributor of, guess what, assistive technology. I would not have guessed that. Uh, really? Oh, i got to work something better into the name then. <laughs> um, and uh, we do uh, all kinds of low vision and blindness aids, as well as all kinds of physical access aids and uh, accessible furniture, you name it. Visit our website at www.canastech.com. Rick, let me ask you about this. Chaos Technical Services. Chaos Technical Services. Don't sound so excited about it. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! (laughs) Speaking of repairs. We are the sister company to Canas Tech. Um, We do the repairs on uh, low vision devices, uh, uh, reading machines uh, for libraries, braille printers, and pretty well anything in between. We can be found at uh, www.chaostechnicalservices.com. Joining us now is Jessica Hip, the Chief Operating Officer from Way Around. Hello. Hi, is this Ryan? This is Ryan and my co-host Rob. Hi there. <laughs> Hi, Rob. Thank you for joining well, us. We really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thank you so much. You know what, let's just start out and, and tell us a little bit about the company itself, how long it's been around, and uh, maybe some of the origins about it. Yeah, Way Around launched in January of 2018 as an app. It first came out for iPhone, and now it is also available on Android. That came out a little bit later in 2018. And a quick overview, Way Around is what we call a smart assistant. So it works with an app for your smartphone, and then we have smart way tags. So they're little um, NFC tags. If you're familiar with NFC technology, they have a little antenna in there. But uh, to the end user, they're stickers, buttons, magnets, and clips. And the technology all works exactly the same. It's just you would use a button for something different than you would use a sticker or a magnet for. And the way it works is you simply touch your smartphone directly to that tag and it wirelessly transfers the information using whatever accessibility settings you have on your smart device. So you can label, you know, anything around your home and office, um, you know, clothing. Um, a lot of people use it for in their gardens, for hobbies, uh, for the uh, home office, for your professional office. You know, anything you can think of labeling, there's probably a way around solution for you. So, and I guess to answer the other part of your question, a little bit of background, our, we have two co-founders, Darwin Belt and Armin Fisher. Darwin Belt happens to be my father, which is part of how I got involved in this company. Um, and they're both architects by training. They had a company together in their early 20s, right out of architectural school. And then they went their separate ways and connected after several decades. They had both retired. And Armin lost about 90% of his vision very quickly in his mid-50s. And Darwin has had lots of different eye issues for his entire life. He was blind when I was born. That was corrected surgically. Um, it, It didn't have a very high success rate, but he was one of the lucky ones. And he now has wet macular degeneration, diabetic retinopathy, 
night blindness, color blindness. And I think I'm forgetting a couple things. So he does, he also still drives. So he has, um, you know, he has low vision. And so while they've both experienced vision loss, um, what they're able to do and the kinds of things that they need to, to assist their limited vision are very different. And so as they were talking about vision loss and, you know, being a professional with vision loss, and then some of the challenges, Armand really talked about, you know, he, He's had some cane training. He's tried to to learn Braille, although he also has Parkinson's disease. So his finger sensitivity, um, it's tough to read Braille um, with some of the complications from Parkinson's. But, you know, they said, we really know how to communicate information about public spaces. You know, we're architects. That's what we've done our entire careers. So Way Around started with that in mind. And even though we have our current product is home and office, They've always been working on, you know, how do we make public spaces more accessible? How do we give people with any degree of vision loss more information about, you know, whether it's signage, um, you know, products on shelves? There's all sorts of information that you get visually that if you have limited vision or no vision is a lot harder to get. So we're, we have some good solutions for that that are going to be coming out really soon. Well, you know, and that is such um, an important aspect. Uh, You know, accessibility in public spaces is such a mixed bag. I I mean, we're in Canada and we're constantly seeing um, new public spaces being developed with absolutely no um, adherence to like Braille signage or when there is Braille signage, it's not accurate or it's in in an awkward spot. There's no standards in terms of where signage is so really you know things like malls and stuff um people with with visual impairments are just sort of you know uh there's nothing there's no type of navigational solution for them or at least historically there hasn't so this is actually a really important push well, and what you're talking about with standards, you know, in the U.S., we've had the Americans with Disabilities Act, the ADA, for many decades now. And even though there are legislated standards, um, you know, you would or maybe you wouldn't be surprised at how many places just don't follow them. They either have incorrect Braille, the Braille is upside down, you know, the, the ADA signs are placed um you know, in an incorrect location. And so you can't even find them. Um, It's just, you know, we've done a lot of research and we have a whole photo gallery of, you know, incorrect ADA signage. And it is, even if the standards are created, it can be really difficult um, to to implement them correctly because buildings aren't standard, spaces aren't standard. Um, And one of the advantages that Darwin and Armand have because they're architects is, you know, even for a building that is very, you know, it's very custom. There are still standards because you have to have things in certain places. And so they're able to use some of those standards that they know from their design background um, to be able to better communicate and supplement, you know, whether it's ADA or in Canada, you guys just passed some new legislation. So it'll be interesting to see how that rolls out. And Way Around is really meant to augment, you know, whatever um, legislated systems are in place. So if you're scanning, um, a way tag that's in coordination with an ADA sign, it might not just tell you this is suite 101, but it could tell you it's, you know, Dr. Robinson. And, you know, when you walk into the room, the receptionist will be to your left or, you know, Dr. Robinson's hours or whatever other information might, you know, might be helpful to scan. 
Well, and that's going to be incredibly useful too. You know, over over Braille signage, which literally you, you usually have one or two words, and and that's it. So, you know, the digital aspect of this makes it so much more robust. Well, and Braille's great to have, but you know, we know the statistics as well, and the majority of blind users don't use Braille, don't know Braille. Right. And I, and I think Braille is so important. One of my colleagues said, you know, if Braille didn't exist, you know, as a blind person, she would have been illiterate. Yeah. And that really hit home for me. And I think that, you know, f- for people who can and make the effort to learn Braille, you know, I highly suggest keeping up that skill. And then, you know, as you say, it, just because of the space that Braille takes, you can only get so much information, you know, you're sometimes limited by the amount of space. Mm-hmm. So if you have um, digital tools supplementing it, or for people like Armand, who really have tried to learn Braille, but they, you know, they have a physical limitation that they're not able to do so, then they really even rely on the digital tools more. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, I mean, don't get us wrong. Uh, I mean, we're, we're also big proponents of, of you know, Braille literacy is, is huge, but you know, at the end of the day, when when things like the ADA um, or, you know, our, you know, our bill is the Accessible Canada Act, um, you know, when they drop the ball, you know, it really it really sort of lands on on companies to sort of build a solution that is actually going to work. And, you know, if Braille signage, you know, if the standards are there. Um, because, you know, I can understand, you know, architecturally, it makes it challenging, too, because you know, they'll build, they'll build a space, they'll build something like a mall. And it, it's, it would be hard to have standards about placing Braille signage when you have to deal with different architectural choices all the time. Um, it, you know, I, so I can see all the challenges like that. And, you know, something like this um, is, is just going to bypass all those issues. And it's, you know, you're not going to be, um, uh, um, dependent on um, the the actual architecture to lend itself to to being an accessible space and just kind of work around that. That's right. And, you know, really the way we've designed way around, if you've used the app, it's all based on templates. So we have something called a detail type. And if you're using the home and office product, you'll see a detail type. You can think of that like a category, you know, for things like um, groceries or cleaning supplies or files. And then in public spaces, it'll be exactly the same. There will be detail types that, you know, if you're a museum, you would have some museum specific detail types. So, you know, we have pre predefined fields that, you know, we've thought through the order and how things should be entered. Um, And then you can always add your own and customize it if there's things that we haven't thought of, because we definitely haven't thought of everything. But those templates really do give a nice way for people to, you know, to have that information presented really consistently. You don't have to put in all of the fields, um, you know, but they're there if you want to. And then when the end user scans, they're used to how the, the information is presented. And, you know, I have a lot of users that know um, and have used some of our, our beta versions that if I want the piece of information that's on the fifth line down, I can just swipe quickly five times and I know it's always going to be there. Um, so it really does make it user friendly. And, you know, you get used to using your phone really, you know, really quickly. And if you're a voiceover user or a talkback user, you can swipe through and it's, um, you know, for all of us, we're used to those patterns and you can get information very quickly and, but you want it presented in the way that you want to receive it. Why don't we just step back and talk a little bit about the, the home and office 
products um, specifically? And maybe you could just walk us through like a, a few user cases on on how that would work. And then we can sort of maybe talk a little bit about the public space aspect of it as well. Yeah, that sounds great. So with the home and office product, you know, the two big questions I get are what kind of tag should I use? And then what information should I put on the tag? And the answer is, you know, really the limit is your own creativity. So um, we do have seven different types of way tags. I said there's stickers, magnets, buttons, and clips. And for most of those, we have two different versions. We have round and square. And it's not just because some people like round things and some people are more squares. But um, the square means that it can be used on metal. So if you get a square tag, a square way tag, you can use that on a metal object. And the reason being is that NFC technology, um, metal will interfere with it and make it so that you can't scan. So there's a little barrier label if you're using it on, you know, canned goods or even a refrigerator, all of our magnets are square. Um, so it's just a little tactile element um, that's part of the way around system to let you know that, you know, this way tag could be used on something metal. The round ones, we say they're regular. And so you can put them on anything but not metal, they won't work on metal. Um, so the buttons are actually our most popular product and we have two different types of buttons. One um, is the two hole button and you could sew that into a garment. It's about, um, it's about the size of a dime for our US um, customers, a bit smaller than 25 millimeters. And then the oval hole button is 25 millimeters. Um, and it has a notch in the middle so you could use it with a safety pin and put it into clothing. Um, but people also tend to use it with rubber bands and you can attach it around, you know, anything that you could put a rubber band around. So something that's an odd size. Um, and the great thing about the buttons are they are heat proof, cold proof and waterproof. So, um, and that's why I say they're so versatile. So that oval hole button people will use um, for frozen food. It's really popular with gardeners. They'll use garden twine to you know, tie a button around their seedlings. Somebody even just drops the button inside a packet of seeds so that they can quickly scan through. And you, know, you can scan through the seed packet um, you don't have to actually um, have your phone directly connected to the tag itself. So if there's a little bit of a, you know, a, a paper or something, you could easily just scan right through it. Um, so the buttons are super versatile. Um, if you're just getting started with way around, I would recommend, you know, get some oval hole buttons and you'll be surprised how many ways you could use them. Um, the stickers are also really popular anywhere you would use a sticker, um, you know, things like if you decant your dried goods into, you know, glass containers, things like that. People use them on appliances um, to label buttons. I know some of the smart appliances, if you push a button once, it does one thing. And if you push it twice, it does something else. But if you hold it down, it does something else entirely. And so you can, you can really make the labels um, work well for you. And you can put them pretty close together. I should mention that um, if you are using them for an appliance, they need to be about an inch to an inch and a half apart. But often the dials will be that far apart. So you can, you could put several different way tags on the same appliance or you could simply use one tag and you know label from left to right or top to bottom if you wanted to conserve your weight tags um you no know, you're looking at the variety of options that a, a consumer has with these weight tags um you know i've actually placed an order and i'm looking forward to getting mine soon so that i can actually start labeling things like my blu-rays and my vinyl record collection and 
you know, those types of things. I've been using other means of labeling for, for a while now, but most of the time I've got my phone in my pocket and I can just walk over, scan the tag, grab what I want. I don't have to look for, you know, my, my other labeling devices, making sure that they're charged or, you know, making sure my Braille is still crisp that I could still, you know, read the labels or if I get a new product, you know, finding my Slate and Stylus or my Braille labeler to label. Uh, I've got my phone with me all the time. So I'm really looking forward to, you know, experimenting with these tags. Was that sort of the plan all along was to was to go the the app route, uh, like to sort of utilize the the power of the fact that, you know, everybody has a smartphone because there are things like this out there now, but they all sort of require these proprietary devices um, to work. Was that sort of always the plan when you when you started developing way around was that, you know, let's everybody has a smartphone. Let's use that. Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting question, and uh, so our very first iterations, again, our our founders are architects. So we started out really thinking about public spaces, and we were looking at a tactile signage system, kind of three D printed maps and that sort of thing. And um, it it wasn't scalable, and you know, we really we got a lot of feedback in some of our early testing that, you know, hey, this is good, or I could see a use for it, but you know, everyone's just using their phones and you have things like AI, you know, why would you just do this really expensive 3D printed map thing? So um, fast forward several iterations, you know, we came up with NFC and part of the power of NFC is it is that near field um, communication. So there's a lot of solutions, you know, for indoor navigation using things like Wi-Fi or beacons, other systems that'll get you close, but don't get you that really specific information. I think a good example is if you're in a grocery store, there's a lot of systems that can get you to the cereal aisle. But if you're trying to find Cheerios versus Honey Nut Cheerios, you know, short of like getting out your camera and, you know, using some AI things that may be fairly time consuming, it's, it's going to be hard to locate that exact item. Or if there's two office doors that are right next to each other, you know, a beacon can get you within five feet, but which door are you going to actually go through? Right. So, you know, we, we honed in on NFC because it does get you, you know, that it gets you to the inch level instead of the, the few feet. And then once we realized, hey, NFC is really great for supplementing all of these indoor navigation systems, you know, it gives you that confirmation and it can also provide orientation information. That's when we said, aha, you know, we can provide, you know, a, a use case that people can use at their home and office. We can go ahead and get that out now. Um, in the U.S., people aren't so familiar with NFC or haven't been. Um, it's It came out with the iPhone in 2017. That's when it was released, you know, for third-party developers like Way Around to start to be able to use NFC technology. Before that, um, Apple had just limited it to Apple Pay. So if people were familiar with NFC, it was really only through payment. In Europe and some other countries, it's different. It's much more widespread. But NFC, it's not a new technology at all, but um, it's just starting to be used and adopted more widely in the U.S. in the past couple of years. You know, it's interesting. It really sounds like there's there's we have all these technologies, these these navigational technologies, and it sounds like you know, if we if we marry them all together, whether it's through um, separate products, all within the same device, e.g., a, a smartphone, 
um, we can get, you know, from doorstep to a few inches using these three together. So for example, you know, you, you're going to use the, the GPS component to get you to the mall. Then you're going to use maybe beacon technology to get you to the store. And then you would use, you know, NFC to actually get you to the shelf for the product that you want. Is that That's right. how you see things? Yeah, I do. I think that, you know, every technology, when it's used in the place that it's intended for, it works really well. And there is no one technology that's going to do all of these different things. You know, I think AI is making a lot of headway and, and still is in its infancy. It has a lot of ways to go. So with all of these wireless technologies, um, when you start to marry them together, they do really become powerful. You know, the sum is more powerful than any one on its own. And that's another advantage to using the smartphone versus a standalone device is that it is easy to marry them because a smartphone has all of these built-in capabilities where if you're, you know, purchasing, you know, a standalone device, it's going to do one thing or maybe a handful of things, um, but you're going to have to get a different device out to do different tasks. Right. So how much information can one of these Waytags store? You know, it's it's really unlimited, and that's part of the patented system that we have. Um, we do have, we've implemented a limit of 2,000 characters, and it's just, it's something that we set so that we don't have people putting an entire book, you know, on a way tag. <laughs> um, we, would, we would have to start charging for cloud storage if people did that. So in order to keep the costs down um, for end users, we do have a 2,000 character limit um, per tag. And that's, you know, that's a couple of pages in words. So, you know, we had talked about some of your, your vinyl collection. And so you could not only put the, you know, the name of the artist, the name of the album, but if you wanted to put other notes about when it was produced or, you know, notes, you know, listening notes, you could put all of that on the way tag as well. Right. And maybe we've sort of already covered this, but let's transition into talking a little bit more about what your your plans are for public spaces and, and how Way Around is going to sort of play and factor into that. Sure. So with Way Around for public spaces, we've done a few tests, and I think I've mentioned um, several of the different areas we've worked in. One is the retail environment. Um, we've also done some beta testing in museums. So you know, in addition to the signage on the wall that would give you the artist's name and the title of the work, we could give you an artist's bio if there's any sort of interactive elements, um, a link to a YouTube video or, you know, a, a site for the artist if it's a contemporary artist. You know, all of that could be accessed through a way tag. And that's where it becomes powerful, you know, for accessibility for people with vision loss. But also the, you know, anyone, whether you're you're sighted or blind, um, you know, you could scan a way tag and get a lot more information than you're able to get just from a physical sign. Um, so museums, retail, and, um, you know, just spaces in general. So we've talked to a few schools for the blind. Um, there's some manufacturers that employ a significant number of blind and low vision employees. So they're looking at, you know, all of their safety signage, that type of thing, um, way around works really well for even, you know, a break room labeling the, the regular coffee and the decaf is, is a really great use case for way around. And the way the, the public product works is there's a site administrator 
um, who would have access. We have an online dashboard. So you would be able to edit tags through your computer to make sure things are updated. And then it could be updated remotely to the tags. So if it's a, you know, a bigger company that has multiple locations, it may be that their HR manager is in charge of updating the way tags and making sure it's, you know, if there's safety information that needs to be updated, they could update that through the web interface. And then it's just pushed um, instantaneously to all the tags, you know, wherever they're located. Is that available to end users? So um, if an end user is interested in it, definitely get in touch. Um, the, the way around for public spaces is it's a paid software subscription. So we just need to talk with you about your needs and how you're wanting to use it and make sure that we could come up with a, a plan that's affordable for you. But we do have a few plans that if you're wanting to do just, you know, 50 or 100 way tags around your home, your home and office um, that I think the the cheapest plan or least expensive is about uh, 20 US dollars a month where you would be able to go in and, and have those, you know, you would have read, write access. And then anyone, the general public, anyone who has a way around app um, could go in and read those way tags. Right. So another question I was just thinking about, sorry, Rob, to interrupt you, but. No, never, never apologize. For <laughs> when, when you're go, starting to label a tag, are you using your voice or can you use an external keyboard or do you use the on-screen keyboard? And also, do yeah. those way tags support Braille, Braille output? Yeah, so um, yes, yes, and yes. Um, <laughs> so you can, when you're inputting information, when you're labeling the way tag, you can use whatever features you have on your phone. So you can use a phone keyboard, you can use that um, dictate function and just talk in and you know text to speech. Um, and then you can, if you have a Bluetooth keyboard, you could use that. And then in terms of the output, it's whatever accessibility settings you have or, you know, connected devices. So it does work with a Braille display. Um, if you're, you know, if you have Bluetooth headphones then, and you have voiceover turned on, you'd hear it, you know, through your Bluetooth headphones, that sort of thing. Right. So it could work for somebody who's deafblind as well using a Braille exactly. display. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And we actually have, um, there's a, a woman who's deafblind and she said, this is just the best thing that I have. It's, you know, it's totally changed the way she's able to, to label things, to access information, you know, and even um, with the, the public version, if she opts into that, she would be able to communicate with others in her household, you know, family members could label things for her. Um, that sort of thing. So it is a pretty flexible system that has a lot of different um, use cases and people have gotten really creative with how they're using it. Um, one story that I like to mention, one of our actually really early way around users is a brewery owner in Colorado. He's blind. His brewery is Blind Faith Brewing. Um, I can't wait to visit and do a whole case study. But his lead brewer is sighted. And so they've tagged um, all of their vessels, you know, if they need to, you know, move something from one vessel to another and add, you know, the hops on this day, they're using way around to communicate with one another. So they can, you know, they can provide updates to one another and it's all logged in the system. Well, now, have you have you had a chance to take it to uh, retail spaces like say malls for example and what kind of response have you gotten from them if you have yeah in the u.s there's a program called uh, the business enterprise program and basically it allows uh, people with vision loss 
to have priority for running um, vending machines and micro markets in any federal and state building. And so we've really worked with that program because it is, you know, the employees, the people who are running these are blind and they have an inventory, you know, some sort of a warehouse where they're stocking all of their supplies. And then um, the micro market, you know, which is like a kind of a mini convenience store that's unmanned. So there's a, a kiosk checkout system. Um, so we've worked with some of the micro market vendors to label all of the items on their shelf so that they know if I'm stocking, you know, this certain kind of chip and there's five different flavors, they'll be able to know that, you know, which flavor is out, which flavor, you know, they need to put in to restock in which slot. And then for an end user with vision loss, they would be able to scan and get the name of the product, um, the price, and eventually they'll be able to get all the nutrition information as well. So it's, you know, the response has been really good. Um, we're working with a, a couple of micro market companies um, to, to integrate that, to make it a really seamless experience for the, the blind vendors. And they're all seeing use cases um, for sighted people as well. So I think it's one of those technologies that works really great for people with, you know, very limited vision or even no vision. Um, and I think it's going to be adopted widely, you know, for, for even people who have good vision. I know it's really hard to read the back of those nutrition labels. And especially if you have any sort of sensitivity, whether it's, you know, a gluten allergy or a nut allergy, if you have a dietary requirement, um, you definitely want to know if it's a product that you can have, or, you know, if it's not going to work for you. Well, and those are always the, you know, especially when you're taking it to things like, you know, retail spaces, um, you know, those are always the important aspects of it. If you can, you know, demonstrate a use case scenario for everybody as opposed to just one demographic like the visually impaired. They love that type of stuff. But, you know, it's it's a little bit frustrating to me to hear because, you know, the technology is is here to, to make spaces like way more accessible than they than they currently are. But part of the problem is, you know, going back to talking about the ADA um, and the ACA, is that you know there's no teeth behind the legislation um and we we can't get these systems into the spaces that need them because you know they don't they don't want to impact their bottom line just you know to to build this sort of at add-on um there, there's really no motivation there to really truly um take the step and really make you know something like a, a mall or a coffee shop or anything that really truly accessible Yet here we are, we're sitting on this technology that, that would allow it. Yeah, you're, you're so right. And I think one of the advantages to weigh around is it's, you know, it's affordable. The NFC stickers are about a dollar a piece, you know, so it's not this really um, costly, you know, solution. And sometimes the technological solution is there, but it becomes cost prohibitive, especially if it's a small business. Um, I know in the U.S. there are some... Um, some tax advantages and financial incentives to do additional um, accessibility, you know, retrofitting type things for businesses, especially for small businesses. I don't know if the same thing exists in Canada, but you know, if you're if you're talking about 
you know, a really expensive system that involves a lot of cameras and artificial intelligence and, you know, integrating it into existing systems, you know, that might be something that some of the really rich corporations are able to do. And I know they're looking at doing things like that now, but the beauty of way around is you don't have to build it into anything. You're not having to tap into electrical wires or anything like that. It's truly as easy as sticking a sign on the wall and then going to your computer and figuring out what do I want that sign to say when somebody scans. And then for the end user, you know, most smartphones have an NFC reader, you know, built in. And so they're able to just scan and get that information. And, you know, a lot of marketers are starting to, to perk up around NFC because it does provide this opportunity to um, get out messages, get out important details, whether it's, you know, special pricing or, you know, whatever it may be about a certain item at that point of decision, which is a different, um, a different location. Yeah. Um, you know, then a lot of marketers are able to connect with people, you know, through social media or whatever. So it's, it's one of those technologies that, you know, I do see um, marketers ears perked up and I, I've spent a lot of years in, in marketing. So, you know, I, I, I have a fondness for the field. Um, and also I want to make sure that the NFC tags are also used for accessibility because they're just so powerful. Um, and because they don't require the camera, you're not having to focus like you would have to do with a QR code or, you know, a barcode. And there's a lot of products that simply, you know, don't even have a barcode on them. Um, so I think it's a, it's a powerful um, technology specifically for people with vision loss. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, and I, I remember, you know, I remember, you know, reading, reading articles about, uh, the new technology and how, yeah, marketers were just drooling, drooling at the idea that, oh, wow, we could send push notifications out, you know, to somebody who's walking around the mall and they walk walk past Old Navy and they just, boom, they get a, a push notification about all the sales that are in the, um, that, that are in that particular store. Um, you know, it's funny, mainstream wise, I can see a real pushback um, from consumers on that because, you know, it, not everybody is crazy about that idea. Um, but, you know, again, you know, you lend that technology to something like um, assistive technology uh, and accessibility. And all of a sudden you've got this groundbreaking, game changing um, technology that that could really make a huge difference for the uh, the mobility of somebody who's visually impaired. Mm hmm. And I think you raise such a good point, you know, for different people want different types of information pushed to them. And then there's the level of information that you want to only when you seek it out. So, you know, what you're talking about would be would happen with something like a beacon. So if you're walking through a mall or an airport and you would know, you know, this is, you know, this store and that store and you could actually know in real time what you're walking by. But right. then if you actually went into a store and you're walking down an aisle, you might not want the name of every product, you know said to you audibly, I, you know, in some, right. in a grocery store in an environment like that, it might be too much to even take in. And so with NFC, the user is actually having to, you know, to seek that information out, you know, the, the field is really within about an inch. So you have to touch your phone to the tag. And so you're getting information only when you want it to say, okay, I'm, you know, I'm curious, am I in the right spot or what's this, or I want to know more. And so when, when information is layered together and as technologies become integrated, I think it'll become a really, you know, robust user experience where you can say, I want this type of information 
pushed. And then I want to be able to get this information, you know, this other type of information on demand. And I think that that's where, as all of these technologies continue to develop, we'll really be able to see them integrate and, and have users um, specify how they want to interact with all the different possibilities. I'm telling you, it's an exciting time. I, I mean, you know, again, it, it's, it's like all the technology is there. We just got to figure out how to put it together. That's right. That's right. And, get and it's it. happening slowly but surely. I wanted to talk a little bit about the supported phones. Um, like I, I noticed on the wayaround.com website, you guys have a little tool there to give you an idea of some supported phones that work. How often is that list updated and do you have any recommendations on phones? Um, we do. So it's updated fairly often. Um, you know, anytime new new phones come out, they're us they usually have NFC. iPhones at this point, if you have an iPhone 7 or above, it has an NFC reader. Some of the newer iPhones have additional NFC features that you can use that um, haven't been pushed back to the older models iPhone um, 6, 6S, and SE are a funny little category because they do have an NFC reader, but you can only use it for Apple Pay. So third-party developers like WayAround can't access that NFC reader. So iPhone 7 and above, you're good with WayAround. And if you have an older iPhone, I'm going to come back and tell you how you can use WayAround in a minute. Um, Androids are... Um, most of them have NFC, even older Androids, they've had NFC for a long time. Mm -hmm. It's just not so consistent, you know, as with all things Android, um, you know, the location of the NFC reader, whether or not it has an NFC reader. Um, there was one um, sort of series of Android phone that I'm not going to say the manufacturer, but they released three phones simultaneously that they all had, you know, just slightly different features, but one of them didn't have an NFC reader. So I would say just go in and check. You can check in your settings for Android or just say, you know, to turn on Android or excuse me, Android, turn on my NFC reader. Um, so, and you can also use our checker to see if your phone does have an NFC reader. And if all else fails, just Google, put in the name of your phone and say NFC and you'll, you'll usually get the information pretty quickly. Right. So the statistic I've seen is that, you know, about 80% of current phones out there have an NFC reader. So chances are good that your phone does have one. Um, the, the trick can be finding it. If you have an iPhone, it's on the very top skinny edge, not the front or the back face. And it's not, it's not the camera. It's just the top edge. And that's where you want to, you know, touch the edge to the way tag. And then for Android, it's not um, consistent. So I have a Google Pixel and it's kind of in the, the back center a little bit more toward the top. But often if you just, if you know you have the NFC turned on in your Android, you can just run your phone back and forth until if you're using way around, you'll feel a vibration and you'll hear a little chime. And then if you do that two or three times, it's pretty quick to learn. Oh, this is kind of the sweet spot of where my NFC reader is. And that'll work if your phone's in a case as well. Yeah. You know, different cases, some of the really thick cases, um, they can be a little bit tricky, but most cases work just fine. And um, there are some cases that are, you know, like the, the sparkle cases that have metal in them. And 
there's only been really one time that I've witnessed a case um, doesn't work with the round tags. So if you do have a, a metallic case, you might want to consider testing out, you know, get some of the round tags and some of the square and just make sure that your case works. But most cases are just fine. Okay. And for those people um, who don't have a smartphone... Yeah. Um, well, let me let me first go back to if you if you have a smartphone, but you have an older phone or your phone doesn't have an NFC reader, we have an accessory that we call the Waylink. And what that is, it's about the size of a credit card and about a half an inch thick. So it fits really nicely in the palm of your hand. It's very light um, and it connects to your smartphone via Bluetooth. And so you can scan the tags with the Waylink you still get all of the information through the app on your smartphone. So you do need a smartphone, right. but if you if you want to scan with the Waylink either instead of your smartphone or because your smartphone doesn't have the NFC reader, the Waylink is a great little accessory to use. You know, our website has just a ton of resources. Um, we do have a YouTube channel and we have a couple of, you know, help videos up there. We have a really great user guide on our website that gives you step-by-step -step instructions for how to create your account, how do you read a way tag, how do you write information to a way tag. Um, but it is, it's such a simple solution and you can download the app for free. It's available both for iPhone and for Android. Um, and so I'd encourage you, even if you're just curious about it, go and download the app and you can check out the interface. Um, and then a lot of people, if they're just trying to, you know, decide, hey, is this a system I want to use? We have a starter pack available, and that includes about five to ten of each of the different types of way tags. So it's a great way just to test out the different way tags. And usually people will order that starter pack and say, you know, I like these stickers and I like this type of button. And then you can order any individual way tag in a pack of 25. But the starter pack is a great way just to get a sampling of all of the different types of way tags, figure out what you like, and then you can just add on as you go. Where, where can people find you online? Yeah, so we're at wayaround.com, and the app is called Wayaround Tag and Scan. Uh, well, listen, Jessica, thanks so much for taking some time out, talking to us about Wayaround. And, uh, I mean, listen, best of luck moving forward. I, I really hope we can we can you know, get some of these solutions into some real public spaces and really start to to make some progress on on really getting working out this accessibility problem that I see every day in a lot of public spaces. Well, thank you so much. And I'm you know, if you have listeners who have ideas, definitely get in touch. If you email connect at wayaround.com, that'll end up in my inbox. And I'd love to hear from anyone. And it's just been a pleasure to speak with both of you. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Jessica. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll make sure to include all the links that we talked about to you in uh, the show notes. Perfect. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Talk soon. Talk soon. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Uh, it's a really cool system. I it, can't wait. I can't wait to be get honest, one. This is this goes way beyond what I actually thought it was. Um, I, I love this idea of public spaces, of getting into public spaces, because I'm telling you, I, every time I walk into this new mall that's close by me, uh, I get frustrated because I, I walk around it and I, and I don't see anything. I don't see any Braille signage, nothing. And this is brand new. This is a brand new mall. 
it should be loaded with accessibility features and there's nothing. Well, I think especially when it comes to braille signage, you know, just like wheelchair ramps, that, and that needs to become part of the building codes, right? You know, forget standards. Uh, the standard is it has to be built into the building code. So we talked about a story uh, where, you know, it was it was talking about the frustrations that people had with even existing Braille signage, mm-hmm. that a lot of it was was wrong or inaccurate or upside down. or And, you know, so even when Braille is there, it, it's problematic. But um, and this is such a, a versatile solution. Um, I, I like I just I love this. I love the idea of marrying all these technologies and making you know, building in this this structure that is like doorstep to product or doorstep to service or whatever, where it's going to get somebody with visual impairments, um, you know, right to where they need to go in a in a nice, somewhat seamless transition. What what excites me is you know the ability to let's say if I was into art. My wife and I could go to the art gallery, and as we're going to each exhibit, I could tap my phone to the NFC tag, and it would describe to me what it yeah. is I'm looking at. You've got a limit of you know 2,000 characters. You know, it would tell me this is a painting of the Mona Lisa. You know, the textures are blah blah blah. The colors are blah blah blah, or this is an exhibit of whatever, and give you some information. It's 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 like audio description for TVs and movies, but in the palm of your hand in yeah. public spaces. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's the nice part of being a versatile system like that is that, you know, like when a museum or something has to create Braille signage and, and I feel bad because I, I, I you know, we keep saying like, it's Oh, well, you know, Braille, blah, you know, and, and honestly, that's not, not what we're saying. Braille is incredibly important. We love Braille. Um, but in terms of uh, a solution for public spaces, it's not always ideal. Um, something like this is gonna is gonna appeal more to um, the retailers because it's so versatile. So, for example, in your example, right, um, you can pack so much more information into a, a digital package, a, way above and beyond than than what a braille sign sign could do. And not only that, if they decide they want to move that painting, well. Now, you know, they, they don't have to create a whole new Braille sign. Well, that's what I was just going to say. You know, it, it costs money to put in a new Braille sign. Sure. You know, with the NFC tag system or way around system, just like beacons, you know, you've got a guy in the back end who yep. enters the new information. So there's a new art gallery exhibit coming to town. You, you don't have to replace the tags. You just right. renew the information and yep. you're off and running. Yeah. And it sounds like really the only downside is just, you know, the fact that that NFC readers sort of have to catch up a little bit in terms of being in all phones. Mm-hmm. But that problem is going to take care of itself in, you know, in the next three to five years, uh, because most everything going forward is going to have an NFC reader built right in. Well, and, you know, if you unfortunately have a phone without an NFC reader, then, you know, we have a solution for you. And I got you covered for that, too. You betcha. But no, this is, you know, it's, it's exciting. But again, you know, I, I just, I, it pisses me off too, because it's just like this technology and it's not only this, it's, there's a variety, we could point to a variety of different technologies that exist that could make things like public spaces incredibly more uh, accessible, but there's just, there's no drive to, to put these systems in place because 
you know, they cost money. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, impact maybe a bottom line. They don't really see, you know, what's the rate of return if we put a bunch of, you know, way around, you know, stickers all over the store, you know, is that really going to impact um, our profits? And, you know, they have to, to look at all of these things. And, and I get that. But at the same time, like, I just, I just wish there were just better standards. Just, you know, let's, if we want, if we're serious about building an accessible society, then the technology is here. Let's do it. Make enforcement a, a, a thing, you know, make these spaces, put these technologies in place. Unfortunately, I think we're still at least 10 to 15 years out from that really? mentality changing. Yeah, you know. Oh, the mentality changing. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, you could be right about that. I, I mean, I, I think you're right. I mean, I even I'm the optimist of the show, and I still, like, I'm just like, ah, I don't think this legislation is really going to make a huge impact because especially, you know, in the first five years no. because attitudes are slow to change. Mm-hmm. Um, accessibility to a lot of spaces, I think, just are relegated now to wheelchair ramps and a couple disability parking spots and boom okay we're great we're accessible well oh, we, we made the doorway to the bathroom a little wider yeah we're heroes we're accessibility heroes well we need to also change that thinking of you know are we putting the cart before the horse you know retailers well we don't have you know blind people coming into our our establishment well you probably don't because a they can't take advantage of the services that you're offering because they don't know what services you offer in the first place. Or, you know, do you put in the tagging system, market the crap out of it, and next thing you know, you've got consumers, you know, people first, coming into your establishment and spending money, you know? Yeah, exactly. You know, we've got to change that mentality. We don't have, we don't have people with disabilities coming to our place. Well, that's because they can't. <laughs> yeah, that's right. If you, if you made your space accessible, they would. Exactly. I mean, you could have a whole new demographic coming into your, you know, we talked about it earlier in the show about mm-hmm. pharmacies. Like, yeah. you know, honestly, if there was a pharmacy came out and was like, yeah, you know what? We, we put this, you know, a script talk system in place. We want to make sure that, you know, all our clients are, are serviced the best that we possibly can. You know what? Your your pharmacy would probably be flooded by people with, with visual impairments and you could see a real spike in your business. I yeah. mean, it, it, you know, on and on, we, we've always go on about how it makes good business sense for, you know, inclusion and accessibility. And it really does. But it's just you're right. It's those attitudes that are slow to change because they still see a lot of this accessibility stuff as stuff that needs to be tacked on mm-hmm. stuff that's going to um, be a, a, a cost to them. Yeah. And sometimes they just think that that cost is, is going to be unwieldy, but I don't know. It's beginning to look like it doesn't necessarily have to. Agreed. So, yeah, I know I'm preaching to the choir. Preach it. Hey, Ryan, Rob, where can people find us? Well, as usual, they can find us online at atbanter.com. They can also drop us an email if they so desire, uh, cowbell at atbanter.com. And they can find us on Facebook, atbanter, and Twitter, at underscore banter. And I know, don't forget, we also have Instagram. (laughs) That's right. Hey, you know, we're really well behaved today. We didn't drop any F-bombs. You were well behaved today. <laughs> oh, like I'm always dropping up. 
I don't I, think I have. <laughs> I might have. Oh, I'll have to go back okay. to the early days. Uh, let me just go back into the archives. Yeah, you I'm do that. Sure. <laughs> you got the time to do that, do you? <laughs> no. Three years worth of podcasts. <laughs> Next anniversary show. We should start planning the anniversary show now because <laughs> we didn't even. Our last time was such a disaster. We didn't even bother airing it. But um, I might post that next next week since neither of us are here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> all your podcast subscribers. One easy hour. Hey, you never know. Oh, I know. <laughs> what is this incoherent <laughs> in my ear for 45 minutes? Yep. All right, everybody. Well, uh, that's going to do it for us then. And uh, we will see everybody in about two weeks. Adios. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. Whoa, look at that. Master of the one take.